Welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast with Matthew Eels. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. This episode is one of those other episodes of the Cinema Australia podcast where I bring over two of my recent interviews for the Community Radio Network and publish them here. These interviews are much shorter than usual, but they're just as enjoyable. Filmmaker Paul Goldman kicks things off as he joins us to chat about Ego, the Michael Gadinsky story. Following that is Robert and James Farnham, the two sons of Australian music icon John Farnham, who discuss their father's new documentary, John Farnham, Finding the Voice. Anyway, enjoy. You'd feel he's in the building, he's somewhere. Bam, he blasts through the fucking door. We're going to make you a star, kid. He's always looking for something that somebody hasn't heard yet. He had the energy of a rock drummer. Matt! Michael Kaninsky, how are you? In the late 60s, radio had hardly any Australian content. I couldn't understand why people weren't supporting their own war. That's why Mushroom started. The whole evolution of Australian music is about to erupt. In the first few years of Mushroom, there was a crazy risk. People said, oh, this isn't going to work. If he had faith in it, the more it drove him. He has been so influential in an entire continent's music scene. That's how expansive he was as a human being. I imagine being a rock promoter as the biggest fucking nightmare. There has to be a reason why he did it. I'd just like to see that more Australian artists get the chance to break overseas. He had something he wanted to prove to himself. Maybe it's an addiction of some sort, never stopping trying to make it happen for someone. There was every chance that I could have been another one that had gone off the rails. But we give it everything we've got. When I get obsessed, I don't like losing. He came on strong, you know. His strength was his ability to connect with artists. Gadinsky, where are you? Yes! Long live Australian rock and roll, thank you. Here we go. (laughs) That's the trailer for Ego, the Michael Gadinsky story. The rollicking story, 50 years in the making, about Michael Gadinsky's remarkable career and profound impact he had on Australian music and culture. Helmed by one of Australia's most acclaimed documentary and video directors, Paul Goldman unearths the stories from some of the world's most influential artists and a wealth of never-before-seen archive footage spanning 50 years. Ego, the Michael Gadinsky story, is in cinemas from August 31. Paul, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to have you with us. Pleasure. Um, usually when I take notes during a movie, I'll write them down as the movie plays. But with this film, I actually found myself pausing the movie to write my notes because I just didn't want to miss a thing. Um, I was captivated by every second of this film and I'm putting that down to it being such an educational experience for me. Uh, I was born in the mid-80s, so my, uh, you know, my experience on the background of all of these bands isn't that clear, but um, you've done such an exceptional job of of putting Michael's story together here. So congratulations on this one. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we knew it was going to be a roller coaster ride uh, and we certainly wanted to keep it very, very energised. And um, I, I, I doubt that, I, you know, at times I, I, you can't even draw breath watching this film, I think. 
Yes, it's very true. Very true. Were you involved? It's got me thinking now. Were you involved in the editing process of the film? Yes, um, as usual, very involved. Um, Sarah Edwards was the editor. Sarah and I go way back working on various music videos and um, she'd also cut a documentary that I was very, very fond of called Not Quite Hollywood. And the producer, Bethany Jones, was also very involved in the edit. I mean, documentaries... This, well, certainly this documentary, the story was put together in the edit. I mean, there was an amazing archive of uh, wealth of material. Michael was never shy of the camera and uh, loved uh, promoting himself and his artists and and the Australian music industry. So we were lucky since he had passed away that there was this enormous um, well of material. Um, but, of course, Putting all that, watching all that stuff and putting it together is very, very time consuming. And, and and this film came together in the edit. Yeah. I want to talk to you a bit about the structure of the film in a moment. But uh, uh, to begin with, when was your first introduction to Michael, either in person or, or hearing his name? Uh, what was that? So I was at film school in Melbourne at the very famous Swinburne Film School, which um, went on to become the Victorian College of the Arts Film School. Um, and it was the, the the early days of the music video boom, um, thanks to MTV in America, and I had made a music video for Nick Cave's band, The Boys Next Door, and I took it to Michael, and he paid me to finish it properly, and then it went to air. So I met Michael when he, when he I was very young, and he was young. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, uh, something that I found with this documentary is that not one single person has a bad word to say about Michael throughout the whole documentary. Is is that a true reflection of Michael? Is it hard to find someone who will speak ill of him? I think I think this was always going to be a, a tricky situation for us, Matthew, because um, because Michael had passed away, so um, it. it and I think people are always reluctant to speak ill of the dead, yeah. but but and and you know it's only a couple, a couple of years since Michael passed away, and most unexpectedly and most tragically for a lot of people, I mean, none of us none of us were prepared for him to die when he did. Nonetheless, the invitation was um, made to lots of people to have a swing at Michael if they wanted to. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, there's a few people in there who um, cross swords with Michael. But in the end, the story of Michael Gudinski is the story of being an enormous, I mean, Michael was a maverick, like a total, I mean, I, I guess the people don't use the word larrikin about Michael, but he was a larrikin and he was a maverick. And um, and and as I think um Chuggy says in the documentary, not every, not everyone loved Michael Gudinski. Um, I think maybe Ray Evans said that. And so even though I, you know, sometimes I wrote people pretty hard to say something nasty about Michael, no one came close to doing it because in the end, uh, everyone understood what his contributions had been to the industry yes. Yes. And, and to themselves. So, I mean, Michael's no saint. Um but I also didn't want to kind of go there either. I, I wanted it to be a celebration of someone who'd been so bold and brash because I think we we only very reluctantly do that in Australia. 
especially when someone's made such a strong contribution to a to a particular industry. Yeah, I mean, I still think that we suffer from the tall poppy syndrome, mm. and uh, you know, Michael, uh, there's probably a it, it's probably not inaccurate to say Michael is better known overseas and more respected than he is back here in certain quarters. Yeah. I mean, Frontier Touring were trailblazers and uh, the number of artists, you know, enormous superstar artists who remain faithful to Michael and Frontier through um, the hard times is remarkable. I mean, the fact that all those people willingly came on board to be interviewed, I mean, we we no one turned us down. Yeah, that's incredible. And, uh, you know, you, you managed to get an incredible array of music artists involved in the making of this film. Uh, you've got Dave Grohl, Ed Sheeran, Sting and and uh, Bruce Springsteen. Out of everyone featured in the documentary, though, was there a particular person who you feel that you couldn't have made this documentary without? Uh, I don't think there was any particular person. I mean, well, I couldn't have made it without the enormous incredible archive that exists with interviews with Michael. Yeah, yeah. Because I think Michael's um, front, you know, very present in the documentary front and centre. I mean, I think his voice, he's got the loudest voice in the documentary. Um, And so we were very, very lucky that over the the course of five decades, almost from the get-go, Michael had stood in front of a camera and talked about the music, the business himself, his motivations. Um, and so that is that is the backbone of, of this documentary. I, I guess, you know, the people we featured in the documentary, the people we felt had very, very particularly intimate, um, really very meaningful relationships with Michael, whether that was Red Simons and Greg McCainish from Skyhooks or Jimmy Barnes, Kylie or Ed Sheeran, Paul Kelly, Mark Seymour. We, we went, I mean, there, there's so many people we could have interviewed. And in fact, there are so many more people we did interview who unfortunately didn't make the cut. But we understood that there are very, very central figures in Michael's life. Uh, you spoke about uh, all of the archive footage there. How did you get access to that? And and what was it like going back on, on all of that? Uh, it was hell to allow <laughs> all that. And I think we... We probably had more than a thousand hours of archive. Wow. I think we did more than 120 hours of interviews, um, and of course, trying to sift through that and cherry pick the moments uh, is just very, very time-consuming and labour-intensive. There was an enormous crew of people um, around this researchers headed up by. Paige McGinley and um, the producer Bethany Jones. I mean, Sarah Edwards, the editor, spent was was doing you know seventy hour weeks working on this documentary, just to contain the material and and to find the storyline, and, and to tell the story succinctly and dramatically, is always um, you know it, it's it, it's. Uh, a lot of sleepless nights and, and and as it turned out this was a a real work of passion for a lot of people mm-hmm. um i'm curious to know whether michael got to see any any cut of this film any any version or or, or uh, did he contribute to anything that you were putting together no he spoke to me we actually began this before he uh died mm. in 2019 and it was going to be something very different um 
we had begun talking and researching and writing what would might have ended up being a three or four part documentary series right. with a lot more detail and a lot um which also might have encompassed his uh work in the film industry as through mushroom pictures yeah um and other things that he'd done but after he, after then covid hit and um and then as we were gearing up to get back into this uh michael passed away so after many many months of um wondering what we would then do or whether we would continue we hit upon the idea of making a documentary portrait of him um uh, how did uh, the news of michael's death affect you personally um and and how did it affect the film i think i like everyone else was stunned and um i i found i found the, the day to be incredibly sad. Um, I, I I got my first call very early in the morning and uh, there was days and days ahead of people, um, conversations. I, I, everyone was taken aback. Everyone was blindsided by this. No one thought Michael was going to pass away when he did. He was only 68, for God's sake, so... Um, and, and how did it affect the documentary? Well, it, we decided to make a documentary portrait of, of Michael. I mean, I, I he was always going to anchor what we set out to make, which was a documentary series, but it became um, expressly about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got one, one final question here. Uh, by the time this interview is published, the film will have had its world premiere at the Melbourne International Film Festival. What does it mean to you to have this film screened in Michael's hometown? Well, I think myths have been an important part of my life um, and I think Michael would be so proud. I think to, to throw it up in front of a, a local hometown audience will be very, very exciting. I think it'll be a joyous um, celebration of Michael, who was very, very proud Melbourneian, as people might know. Um, a son of a son of Melbourne and very, very proudly a Melbourneian, someone who was offered many enticements to go overseas and work uh, and just stayed in Melbourne and stayed in Australia. To, I mean, Michael's mission in life was to take Australian music to the world. Yeah. And he succeeded on so many fronts time and time again. So to have a loud, boisterous documentary uh, playing at MIF and premiering in there is, is um, a great, great pleasure and a great honour. Yeah, and uh, you just having said that, uh, what a powerful figure he was for the Australian music industry. Uh, you've worked in the Australian film industry for years now, having directed films like Suburban Mayhem and Australian Rules. How valuable would somebody with Michael's enthusiasm and drive be to our industry? I think we could only hope that we would have someone who was happy to um, to go out endlessly any time of the day or night and beat a drum as loudly as he could for the um, Australian film industry. I, I can't think of any um, figure like Michael in the film industry, can you? Uh, no, I, I honestly can't. Uh, other than the small media outlets like us who are working endlessly to uh, to spread the word about Australian films, there's no individual figure doing it, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, you know, there's plenty of people I, I could think who, who have um, 
been very, very strong advocates for Australian film and done their level best, mm. but not anyone who had that reach. I mean, Michael was enormously esteemed and respected internationally as well as um, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, as you mentioned before, he did uh, have that film side to him as well with Chopper and uh, what Mushroom Pictures were doing. But, um, uh, Paul, it's been fantastic chatting with you. Um, congratulations on the film. Um, thanks very much. Thanks for your time, Matthew. You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at cinemaaustralia.com.au. Music is so important to us. There was something about his voice that was just so appealing. His voice was incredible. He can heal you. People just worshipped him. It fills in the gap where religion should be. You feel their voice. Who the hell is this guy? It is a heroic story. It can go straight to somebody's heart. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Farnham. John, you are the best singer in the country. That's the voice. Either I was working or I was asleep. So when I was awake, I was vulnerable. People never really saw me as a credible singer. Do you like the old song? I remember coming off the stage one night and he punched the locker door and he smashed it in. She said, let's take Robert to McDonald's for dinner and I actually couldn't take them. We didn't have the money. He was pretty much broke. Do you ever get depressed at all? Yeah, a lot. I tried to get him a record deal and everybody passed. We lost track of John. His spectacular voice was missing in action. The story of Glenn's belief in John is legendary. This was John's almost audition to the world again. My publishing company said, John Farnham has recorded You're the Voice. Is it okay to give him permission? And I said, no. We went ahead and did it anyway. Really, they weren't supposed to record it, but they did. And he sang the living hell out of that song. Awesome. And that became the one. He went to number one in West Germany this week, number one in Sweden, roaring up the French and Italian chart. He's found his voice. It's dangerous. He won't surrender. You don't like to think of yourself as a legend, but you are. It's hard not to get pumped up hearing those songs from John Farnham. Uh, That was the trailer for John Farnham Finding the Voice, which tells the untold story of an Australian music icon. We follow Farnham through incredible highs and lows and ultimately to record-breaking success as Australia's voice. In this interview, John's sons Robert and James take us behind the scenes of the documentary. Robert and James Farnham have both worked closely with the production of the film and Robert has followed in his father's footsteps, building a career in the entertainment industry as a musician and actor. John Farnham, Finding the Voice, has become the highest-grossing Australian feature-length documentary of all time, currently making records as the fourth-highest box office for an Australian feature overall. Telling the tale of John Farnham's humble beginnings in the Melbourne suburbs to a record-breaking pop success, the documentary has received praise from critics and audiences alike nationally. I can't recommend this one enough. Even if you're not a fan of his music, just check it out. I think you're going to love it and it might even shift you. 
John Farnham, Finding the Voice, is available on Blu-ray, DVD and digital now. Robert and James, uh, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to be chatting with you both. Uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, I watched John Farnham, Finding the Voice, right after watching the new documentary, Ego, uh, the Michael Gadinsky story. Uh, Michael being another uh, you know, huge Australian music icon. But I think I enjoyed this one more because I found it to be a really broad look at John's life overall uh, without bypassing the challenges that John faced throughout his career, you know, while celebrating the highs at the same time. Uh, the Michael Gadinsky documentary was just very, I felt like every scene of the film and every beat was a very positive one, whereas this one did focus on some of those challenges. Um, uh, do you think that's why audiences are responding so well to this documentary? I mean, look, uh, 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 the comparison between the two, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, you know, the Gidinski's movie, which I haven't seen, uh, and neither is James. Um, although we were very close with with Michael and his family, uh, we, you know, we spent a lot of time with them over the years as well. Um, just a very different story. Um, you know, like uh, Michael's story is very different to the story that. Um, the documentary that about dad is um so i think the comparison's probably a little bit uh a, a bit hard to you know put them against each other um yes, i'm yeah. sure the michael one is amazing because he was an amazing man um but um yeah dad's documentary is definitely you know there's definitely some lows um and, and some amazing highs um yeah. from our perspective for sure yeah, it's, it was such a great watch. Uh, James, is there anything that you want to add to that? Um, well, yeah, like Rob said, I, I haven't seen uh, Ego yet either, but um, I, I can I agree with Rob how you can't really compare them too much at the moment because, yeah. you know, one's, I guess, about a record label and the man who made it, and the other one's yeah. about our, you know, our father and best friend and you know, his best friend and how they sort of came through and battled it together, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you two attended the premiere of the film. Did you sit in and watch it with the audience? Yeah. We did. We did. Um, do you want me to go, Jimmy? Yeah, you go first. Um, we did. Um, we, we'd seen it a couple of times before that. Um, and uh, so we kind of knew what to expect. Um, and we both loved it. Um, and, you know, we, we sat there. Um, with some friends and some family and, and our mother was there. That was the first time that she saw it and she mm. literally cried all the way through it um, just because it's it's quite powerful. There's a lot of people on there that have unfortunately passed away um, since making it um, and obviously our, our, our grandparents, dad's mum and dad um, and a lot of people involved in it. So it was, it was pretty, it was pretty hard hitting and sitting in it with an audience was, was fantastic because you get to see the reaction um, and, and the warmth and the love from everyone, which was pretty special. I was just going to say, yeah, uh, I enjoyed sitting in the cinema, watching it with the, everyone else there kind of gave it a bit more of a, an atmosphere in, in a way, instead of just watching it with, you know, the execs and producers and sort of stuff. So it was nice to kind of be involved and feel the actual, excitement of everyone else too coming into the theatre and wanting to see it, like itching to see it sort of a thing. So it was a really cool vibe to be there. It was really good. Yeah, there's nothing quite like sitting in a cinema and watching it with an audience and getting to ride that wave of the audience emotions, uh, you know, while, while you're watching it from start to finish. So in your opinion, is this, you know, let our listeners know, is this a fairly accurate look at your father's life overall? 
I believe so. I think he's a pretty down-to-earth and humble person in the first place, and I think this um, doco sort of explains and shows that a bit too. Um, it shows that, you know, everyone's human. doesn't matter who you are. You've all got your battles and struggles in life. It's just how you, how you get through them that makes us all a di- bit different. Yeah, I think that I think it was pretty true to form. Um, there, there wasn't really any fluff in there. Um, I mean, there was definitely things that we feel that could have been in there that weren't in there. You can only fit so much in ninety minutes or whatever it was. Um, you know, but you know, both James and I feel that you know there's definitely things that could have been in there as well that that weren't. Um, but it's co- sort of didn't fit with the overarching narrative of of Dad and Glenn. Um, but yeah, when it was, we thought it was brilliant. Yeah. So, in what capacity were you two involved in the making of this film? Did, did were you involved from the beginning? Um, we kind of were a little bit at arm's length at it. Yeah. Um, Dad didn't want to do it um, at the start, um, and Glenn is very well, was very persuasive, um, and sort of twisted his arm and. Dad ended up sort of agreeing to it. So we were kind of at arm's length with it. Um, we didn't really have any control um, or that much input. Um, both James and I sent in some photos and some bits and pieces, and we both did interviews that were um, extended interviews um, that obviously didn't make the final cut. Um, so that that was pretty much our extent of it. It was sort of really driven by, by, by Gaynor, um and by glenn um and and by poppy the director um and you know there there was some other people involved as well like ross fraser did amazing stuff he was one of the producers and and david hirschfelder and Mm. all these amazing people that contributed um but as far as our uh involvement it was somewhat an arm's length um uh james uh, uh robert just mentioned poppy there did you get to spend much time with Poppy, uh, you know, talking about your father and, and also getting to know Poppy as well to make sure that she was the right person to make this documentary? Well, we kind of chatted with her a little bit before we got to see the, the documentary and interview, so we didn't really know her too well. But um, when we first went to watch it uh, with everyone at the with the Sony execs and stuff in Sydney, uh, me and Rob went in with a piece of paper ready to, you know, give it some good criticism and see how we went. But it's five minutes in, we both sort of looked at each other and agreed that, you know, we didn't have to really worry. It was pretty pretty good and comfortable and felt like it represented our dad and our family pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Rob, it's uh, interesting there because you mentioned uh, that there were maybe some stories that you would have liked to have seen in the documentary or or that that weren't included. Is there a particular story that you would have liked to have seen in the film? Uh, and, and I guess in regards to your life uh, with John, because it doesn't really delve too much into that family aspect. Um, I think that's a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, you know, some years. I mean, look, once again, to, you know, when I mean that I wish that there was some stories involved in it, I just sort of mean, you know, that there was a, a whole range of years that, you know, when he was killing it in Australia and, um, you know, he did 16 tennis centres in a row and, um, you know, the, the the tours that he did on on the trains and stuff um, and, you know, the farm-made stuff and all the, you know, all that sort of stuff, um, you know, Tom Jones and all these amazing people that he toured with, um, that's, that's kind of what I mean. Um, but once again, it didn't, sort of align with uh the the overarching narrative which was which was basically 
um, you know, dad's coming to form uh, from the transition from uh, Johnny to John and um, the, the love and respect that both Glenn and dad had together and, and the working relationship. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, you can only put so much into 90 minutes and, Yes. Um, you know, it, it, I think if, if James and I had our way, it would have been, you know, a 12 part series and you know, there would have been yeah. into everything and then that and then that. But, you know, it is what it is. I thought we thought it was fantastic either way. Like, we're not complaining. I thought Poppy did such a fantastic job um, and, and enforcing what James just said about um, the, the first time that we saw it. Like, we both knew within the first 10 minutes that she hit it out of the park. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we, we we loved it. It really is such a terrific documentary. And, I mean, it's proved already. It's uh, the highest-grossing Australian documentary of all time. And I think I, I read know. before the one of the, the, the fourth-highest-grossing Australian film of all time, which is just incredible. Yeah. Isn't that just outrageous? It really is. Um, uh, James, uh, there are moments through the film where John's battles with depression are touched on briefly. And uh, there's even a scene where he talks about it openly as a young man, which I think is just such an important scene in the film. It, it really stands out, you know, because we're uh, even today we're asking young people to speak about these personal battles. So to hear John speak about it so openly, I just thought was so important. Uh, what was that like for you to watch these scenes and to hear your father talk so openly about that? Um, it was. It had. You know, it's had its ups and downs for that. It was good to hear him you know, talk about it, like you were just saying, you know, it's hard for people to talk about depression in the first place. So it was, it was nice to hear my dad talk about it in, in a weird way, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, but it was also, you know, sad to see that he went through that sort of a thing. And, you know, I, I don't really remember the the downside of, of when he was going through because I wasn't here, obviously, but it would have been very hard for him with all the pressure and, and everything like that. So I can understand why he would have been depressed at times, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob, anything you want to add to that? Um, I think, you know, depression is, is a bit of a dirty word for a lot of people and it's, it's sad. Um, but, you know, particularly with that generation um, and, and for us to hear him talk about it like that, it, it was confronting um but i mean you have an ability and a belief in yourself um and to have a talent like that and then to sort of just continually hit your head against the wall is difficult and um you know the fact that he was able to recognize that and voice that i think i think is really really special um it's definitely a movie for people that are an artist that, you know, whether it's painting, acting, music, writing, doesn't matter what it is, you can walk away and go, hang on a second, I, I believe in myself, I'm going to continue to push. Um, mm. And I think that, you know, in, in this movie, it shows persistence pays off, um, hard work pays off, belief in yourself pays off, um, you know, and I think that that's a really special a special narrative that Poppy really pushed forward. Yeah, yeah, terrific answer there. Um, what's the greatest impact uh, that your father had on both of you, would you say? That is a difficult question. Yeah, <laughs> um, for, for, for me, I mean, he's given up myself and James such an amazing life um, mm -hmm. filled with love, um, respect and, and support. And we're very grateful. Well, I shouldn't say I'm not answering for you, James, but we're both very grateful of that. Um, and I think one of the things that he's given 
me personally is the ability to respect people um, and to show people love um, and to not be scared of, of showing people love um, and to be yourself. Um, you know, he, he always used to say to us, the moment you leave the house, you're representing the family. And I'm very conscious of that. Um, so, you know, it's about you know manners and all that sort of thing. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and <clears throat> the dedication to your craft as well. Like I'm a musician. So I saw what dad had to do to get where he is. Um, and it makes me want to do the same. Perfect. James? Yeah, I think manners is a big one. Um, our parents were always about manners, and I'm glad that they, they taught us that way because, you know, manners are free. It doesn't cost to say thank you, and it's nice to hear it back. Um, but Dad's given me, I guess, a lot of courage just to be out, step out and do things and be past your um, comfort zone, really, and, and really try and appreciate everything that you're doing and even if if you fail you get up and keep going try again terrific um uh, i'll urge all of our listeners out there to to seek out the uh, the documentary which has been released on dvd soon can you tell us a bit more about that yes so it's uh being released on blu-ray and uh, dvd um i'm sure there's you know some special things on that as well and um you know you can obviously buy the album which is fantastic um, so you may be able to watch it in the comfort of your own home and, yeah, really sort of crank up the stereo and have a bit of a sing-along. Yes. Yeah, you can buy a instead of a music video. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you missed it at the cinema, folks, um, then, yeah, seek out the DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, Robert and James, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Goodness. Thanks for listening. Find all the latest Australian film news at cinemaaustralia.com.au. You can follow Cinema Australia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok.